0: Hey there, movie fans. This is Pete from Box Office 30 Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to mention our sponsor for this episode, HalloweenCostumes.com. What a great website. We're coming up in the Halloween season here. If you're a big movie fan, this is a great place to get some serious movie costumes. I was just taking a look through the homepage, and just on the homepage alone, I see Jurassic Park, League of Their Own, Ghostbusters, Alice in Wonderland, Avengers, Harry Potter, Scooby-Doo. I mean, they've got a little bit of everything. I see Harley Quinn, great stuff available from this website. So please head on over, take a look. We have a promo code available for you to use. Check this, 20% off of one item, one use per customer, valid through November 6th. If you wanna take advantage of this, use our promo code TRNHALLOWEEN2021. I'll also put a link in the show notes for this episode. Again, you can't beat the website, you can't beat the costumes. Go check it out. HalloweenCostumes.com
1: The following is a presentation of the Retro Network.
0: Crap in, movie fans. We're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits
1: of the 1990s. I'm Pete. And I'm Michael. And And this this is... Box Office 30. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator... Find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own, and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong. And hoping each time that is next week will be
0: the leap home. Hello, hello, and welcome to Box Office 30's review of Necessary Roughness. I'm Pete, and as usual, I'm joined by my good buddy, co-host, and Fantasy football opponent tonight, Michael Panetti. How are you, sir?
1: I am well. I am. I am well, and I believe I'm getting my butt kicked by you right now, but in a a. Uh, <laughs> a matchup of the worst of the worst kind of thing. <laughs> Just well, like. I, I realize that you're down at the moment. Things at
0: the moment sit at 170 to 42, which is not looking good. No, But maybe like the Texas fighting armadillos, you'll find a way to bounce back and
1: yeah. it, it says you have a 98% chance of winning at this point. <laughs> I don't know if you can get much higher than that. Maybe a 99% chance. Yeah, That's
0: the thing. They, they've still got you at a good 2% so they're, they're thinking something might happen there I guess <laughs> yeah, we, we,
1: we shall see I, I have three players left and a, and a slew of duds this week wow it's <laughs> horrible horrible yeah this is a weird week because there was so many players on buy that I like lost out on a lot of good good <laughs> stuff and all of our fo- listeners who were like I don't really watch football why are they talking about football yeah, is like, <laughs> this
0: a movie podcast or fantasy football just, It just transition we're, we're, we're not even doing the movie this week folks. we're just going to talk
1: fantasy football the whole time <laughs> but, but think about this one. it's got fantasy in the title so come on there's got to yeah. be people in there that might be interested in it I, I, I just felt
0: like it was a perfect storm that I was like you know all day I've been checking in on the scores. We were out, the family was out and like I'd check in every once in a while, see what was going on. And uh, I'm like, damn, you know, like Mike and I playing each other this week and we got to go tonight and talk about a football movie. (laughs) It's like (laughs) Football, football, football.
1: (laughs) What are the chances? It's very ironic. But, you know, I I was thinking about this movie in a lot of ways when I rewatched it the other day. It has a lot of similarities to another sports movie, not a football movie, but you ever seen the original Major League? Yes, it feels a lot like that, but in a football. This movie feels like every sports movie ever,
0: (laughs) and and we're gonna um, talk about it. I'm sure, but like, I just had like a little like check sheet of sports movie cliches. I was just like, yep, there's one. Yep, there's one. Yep, there's one. So I was going down the list and I was just like, I can't tell because, you know, there's been plenty of sports movies forever throughout time. Um, but I can't tell if this movie is borrowing some of those concepts from them or they're borrowing concepts from this. I don't know. But like, I feel like, because I like I said to you last time, I don't think I've seen this movie before necessarily. And yet somehow I've seen this movie before. (laughs) Just basically every other one of like the, uh, like we were joking around on little giants and things last time. Like, like there's so many things that borrow like definitely like these same concepts. And I was just like, yep, there's that one. There's that one again, you
1: know? (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of tropes in this movie that, that they lean heavily into both in the comedy aspect and of the sports aspect um, in particular related to football. Uh, You know, Honestly, when I saw this movie, though, I thought it was like ahead of its time in in a lot of ways, just because of the humor and the way they interwove the the sports stuff in there. And the question I've always had is I was wondering if it's loosely based on something because the Texas State uh, Fighting Armadillo's logo, though green, looks very close to Texas A&M's logo. And I'm like, I wonder if something happened in Texas, maybe not at Texas A&M, but something that it was like, gee, where this plot comes from feels like it would have happened somewhere. Yeah,
0: well, you know, the, there's some information and I didn't do my normal deep dive that I do trying to find facts and things like that about this film
1: but this Foosball is the devil exactly you got it um,
0: but like even just a quick trip through its Wikipedia page um there are some um direct parallels to things that have happened over time um specifically I'm just gonna read this off uh, is you know I, the plot of this film in the beginning is that the the this franchise team that's been like this multiple time like NCAA championship winning team is all pulled apart because like basically everybody was either like on steroids or cheating or doing this or that, just like a slew of just like stuff.
1: Yeah. Everything that a college football team could not do, (laughs) this team did. Yes.
0: And so uh, to, to like literally not even just paraphrase, but to just read it directly out of the Wikipedia, it says this predicament is based on the death penalty handed out to the Southern Methodist university football team for violations very similar to those ones found at the fictional Texas state. Hmm. So I don't know enough football or college football history to know, you know, chicken and egg, which came first with this. I'm assuming the way that they're saying this is that they're kind of insinuating that necessary roughness is at least uh beginning plot is sort of based on what happened with the Southern Methodist University football team. Um, And then they also kind of mentioned there's a couple of other like just unique parallels that happen um, as well. Like so. uh, This is a fictional team, um, but they say in 2003, Southwest Texas State University changed its name to Texas State University. Really? Um, Ironically, um, their team is the Bobcats, which is also the season opener opponent for the armadillos. So it's like, kind of like a funny <laughs> That's weird. Um, thing. And then uh, the first game that they tie later on in the film, um, when she kicks the field goal for the three, three tie with Kansas, mm-hmm. um, they note here that in real life, Kansas holds an all time uh, NCAA division one, a record for number of tie games with 57. So
1: <laughs> really <laughs> just wow. kind of again, I guess, you know,
0: just, just probably coincidental or whatever, but uh, just sort of a funny Thing. So that's that's most of the um, kind of things I thought were just sort of interesting real life parallels, at least with uh, with it. But after that, I think it's a lot of just, you know, the old quarterbacks coming out of retirement yeah. and, <laughs> yeah. you know, the the coach that's been snubbed for all the years finally gets his chance and
1: budget has coach, been and never was and yeah, so the on.
0: other coach has like a last minute you know, heart attack sort of thing that's gonna bring the whole team together to play for them one last this time. Literally
1: happened in major league. There's some player
0: who's gonna be super fast, but they're not gonna be good at catching until that one critical catch. You know? I mean it's just it's just one after another after another after another cliche, which is hilarious because if you were tuned into the last episode I was talking about that. I wanted to watch that Netflix special on attack of the Hollywood cliches and a good like half or two thirds through that. But I was doing my own attack of the like sports movie cliches (laughs) watching through this because I was like, yep, 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 yep. You know, that's Uh, so funny. uh, Yes. It's
1: hilarious. (laughs) You know, it's but though there's a lot of, you know, cliches and tropes in this movie that that surely pop up. Did you like it?
0: Um, I, I'm going to be honest. I was kind of bored <laughs> during really? a lot of this movie. Really? Um, and I don't know if it's just one of those times where you sit down to watch a movie and you're like head and your spirit aren't 100% in it or whatever. Um, but I definitely found myself like checking stuff on my phone rather than paying 100% <laughs> attention. Um, so I actually kind of like after I watched it, and I did watch the whole way through. Like I sat there and watched it in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to kind of go back and, and kind of reread through the plot again on, on Wikipedia and things. And like I said, as, as we were waiting for you to pop on here to the recording, I was kind of like just starting the movie over a little bit. So I could kind of refresh my brain on the beginning portion of it. But I don't know. I think it's, it's be kind of, because what I was saying, it, it, I don't think it was a bad film, um, mm-hmm. but I just feel like I've seen it before. I feel like, like it's like, all these other kind of little like movie tropes or sports things. I feel like I've seen it done and done better necessarily in other spots. So um, I'm going to be quiet mostly tonight. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Unless you go through the notes and I I definitely, um, I I, I went through your notes and I was like, there's definitely some things I have things to say on a few of these, but um, again, not the worst, but like, I'm a little, little burned out there, listeners, that 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 uh this one got the vote and, and poor old Fisher King, which is a in my mind, decidedly more interesting at least film got the got the kick down. So maybe I'm a little bitter too. Who knows?
1: <laughs> but uh, He's bitter today, but he, when he beats me in fantasy football tomorrow, he yes, won't be as bitter. Yes,
0: but but like honest to goodness, I think I'd have rather been watching like a Rudy or like oh, know, something else the vein than And I, you know, like, again, I realize this movie is not to be taken 100% seriously. I, I think what I would equate this movie to is if Animal House were about a football team yeah, um, you know what I mean. Like it's kind of got like like the evil dean trying mm. to get them, and like you know all that sort uh, of stuff. The, the
1: dean is so horrible in this movie. He's so hateable. It's like he's he's borderline disgusting. And and what I'm going to do because of how you feel about the movie, as opposed <laughs> to go through my notes, I'm going to go sort of like what we did with uh, Hot Shots and go kind of character by character in a way. And we'll start with a Dean since you brought it up. So <laughs> so this is the sleaziest, creepiest, <laughs> most disgusting Dean you could ever possibly get. And it's played by a guy who always plays the, <laughs> the horrible person in the movie, the gross person. Uh, like, he's sexually harassing one of the professors he's trying to blackmail people he's bribing people he's he's manipulating grades he he does all this stuff and the one thing that i want to point out and this really bothered me in the movie in particular because a i know how colleges work and b i just found this so strange in a lot of cases the dean seems to overpower and supersede the president of the college, (laughs) which seems bananas to me and also impossible. Like this Dean Elias. Put
0: like a pin in it for a second. Like we have to talk a little bit about like what his character motivation is. And like basically the entire thing that's driving this character, and again, as you say, it sort of like loosely holds the same water as like that in Animal House or, or Ferris Bueller or anything where this is like school authority figure who just cares way more than anybody in real life would about this particular scenario. Is that he's like embarrassed and doesn't like that the football team has been such a um, disaster for the school, which is almost commendable, really. You right. know what I mean? Like, I think anybody that was left over at the school would feel that way. But he wants to like turn it to his advantage and I guess get like the funding that would go to them to him. But as you said, like he's a dean like this is like really contrived for what somebody in that. I mean, you and I both work in in the higher education field over the past umpteen years here. And like like a dean would be competitive with a dean of another portion of the college. Right for funding or they'd be doing grant sort of stuff or things like they would not really like be like anything to do with this football team. There's excellent, you know, (laughs) like
1: exactly. It, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Uh, and And he's just way too personally involved in
0: it. And I think it's just because they're like, we need to come up with basically an antagonist in this film And rather than just sticking with, like, the normal, like, there's that, like, one, like, Hawks to the Mighty Ducks or whatever, Mm -hmm. just, like, kind of evil football team that they have to, like, you know, ultimately come back and beat. It's like, oh, we got to, because it's like a university thing, we got to have, like, that evil dean or evil school president or whatever sort of thing that's hassling us from the other end. But, like, really, he, you know, like, I, I think that's, it just serves the plot of. Making it where like they can't form a normal team again, like they're stuck with like the 17 people instead of being able to put together like a new team of people after all the previous players get banned.
1: Yeah, and that's it. Oh, so you made a good point. So the dean finds a loophole and basically says, you know, if their grades aren't good enough, they can't be on the team. So he comes to the, the head coaches and they says, listen. You can't have this guy, you can't have that player, blah, 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 And it knocks them down to have 17 players, which forces the team to do what's called the Iron Man football, where both uh, both pl- players will play on both offense and defense. I don't know if the term Iron Man football actually exists in real life or it's made <laughs> up for this movie, but uh, it's an interesting concept that it, it like it makes the, the game seem even more insurmountable that the fact that they have to play 60 minutes of football, most of the players. And, and not only the tiredness, they'd be risking all the injuries
0: and everything that comes um, along to it. Exactly. And uh, yeah. I looked it up incidentally because I was curious about that too. It is in fact a real thing. But I'd be curious if it would be legal under, you know, NCAA, at least these days, and I'm sure over time, has like so many sp- like specific strict rules about how yeah. things have to be. I'm sure it doesn't happen mention of that. I feel like in this film at like one or two points, like like they get around um, when they have Kathy Ireland come in as the kicker, like, oh, there's no specific rule that says it can't be a woman or whatever. Yeah. You know, like uh, who knows? You know what I mean? But like, it, it seems to me like if they would show up with like not enough number of players active mm-hmm. that like they don't automatically forfeit because that's that's something you see like kind of all over the place, you know, in in
1: these things. Yeah. And it's funny. You mentioned the Kathy Ireland thing. We'll get back to this a little bit, but for the first time in like NFL, not uh, NCAA history last year was the first female kicker on a, on a college team, like a division one team. And it's just very interesting that, that uh, came up. It took, so this year is
0: ahead of its time, is what you're saying. <laughs> by about
1: by about twenty-nine years, yeah. Uh, it's crazy. So anyway, to wrap up the Dean, he's a monster, he's disgusting, and ultimately he gets fired by my favorite actor one of my favorite actors, Fred Thompson who's <laughs> always plays like the president of the college or like, you know, the the head FBI guy or something and yeah, he's the head of the uh, right. special victims
0: unit, right? Yeah. <laughs> or, or is he regular law and order? I can't remember. He's regular law and order. Yeah, something <laughs> like that.
1: He's like the head prosecutor or something. Yeah, but he's always awesome. Then he became a senator, but I've always liked him as an actor okay. and and uh, he was also in Die Hard Two. He's the head of the airport. In Die Hard Two, um, and he ultimately fires the dean and gets rid of him. Um, and and that's all we really need to talk about the dean. And he's he kind of
0: tackled by like the entire the whole team. team yeah. Yes, they, they had a
1: per- they had this specific play that they coordinated that magically they knew exactly that they were going to sack the yeah. the dean and, and knock him out. One of the funniest parts about the Dean is when he first meets Scott Bakula's character, Paul Blake, who we're going to talk about next, Scott Bakula is this like smoking, you know, has been quarterback. He walks out of the field and he drops his cigarette right in the Dean's coffee and then the Dean drinks it with the cigarette in it. That's what made me laugh out loud when I saw that. Um (laughs) But yeah, so let's talk about Paul Blake and uh, Scott Bakula's character now. (laughs)
0: Sam Beckett.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny you say that because he's got this kind of like gray flip in his hair, which uh, Sam Beckett has a lot of times in (laughs) Quantum Leap as well. But like, I don't know, Scott Bakula is one of those actors that Pretty much in almost anything you see, you just like him fr- from the get go. And this movie's no different. He's just such a likable character and likable actor, even though he's kind of a curmudgeon. You know, he's, we, we first meet him, he's like on this farm riding a horse, and uh, the defensive coordinator of the team finds him and you know, basically, well, the says movie opens with him. Like, I mean, like, this is like our like,
0: main main character. Basically. Well, it doesn't really
1: open with him, it opens in ESPN. Basically, when they do, when they, when they tell you what happened with the armadillos, then we go right to uh, no, Paul Blake. I was just watching it
0: <laughs> the, for the opening, is him on a tractor. Throwing a football. Oh, yes, you're right. I'm <laughs> sorry. Yes, you're right. You're
1: right. That's right. I'm sorry. Yes, he, he is open in the movie. Yes. So it's like it's almost like a cold open with, a, of with a football dummy that doesn't make any sense.
0: <laughs> like he throws the ball and he hits it square on every time. All right. This guy's definitely got an arm. But like this dummy on this gigantic industrial spring, like like falls all the way back to the ground and then comes up rigidly and stands there again. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. The physics are broken.
1: (laughs) But, but he does kind of feel like an old quarterback, like an aging, you know, of course it's the cliche the uh, yes. the the high school
0: quarterback that that like never made yeah. it and never went on and yeah. did a whole thing yeah. you know <laughs> Pol-
1: Polkai 1972 four touchdowns in a single game and they even say that he scored four touchdowns in a high school game like it was really funny it made me laugh cuz it made me think of you know Al Bundy a little bit but <laughs> but you know he's this like cigarette smoking cowboy and you know we we meet him and he's throwing to the dummy which in the movie the dummy's wearing an 88 jersey and we um and we'll we'll see the 88 a- again in the movie and um basically as i said the defensive coordinator comes and finds him and says hey you know We, you know, you never even played a single down, like, you know, you never went to college, you dropped out, you got four years of eligibility, we really need a quarterback. He's like, I'm 34 years old. I'm like, he looks older than 34. (laughs) He looks older than 34. But I was like, wow, okay, cool. And, um, you know, he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. I got the farm, et cetera, et cetera. And the defensive coordinator leaves and... Then, you know, he has a change of heart. He shows up on the practice field and he comes in like in his best denim tuxedo and his cowboy boots and his cowboy hat smoking cigarettes with with cleats that look like they were from the 1940s, not the 1970s. So I'm like, wow, these are some old cleats this guy is rocking. And, you know, they said, hey, yeah, you know, throw the ball. And so they send their wide receiver out who – is the fastest guy in the college, but can't catch a ball. Now this part you're talking about, this is when they were doing it in the gymnasium. No, no out in the field. Cause we we're talking about Paul. Cause Paul was never in the, in the gymnasium. Okay. I'm going to go p- player by player. Yeah, for- I'm
0: just getting like forgetful at this point about like where they did what. Cause I thought yeah. it was really odd. They held that like weird tryout
1: in the gym. That's not not uncommon, like, to, to, to run sprints and whatever and see what they got before they get hurt on the field. But, like, um, basically, he's trying to throw the ball, and he's throwing, like, rockets, like, 30, 40, 50-yard bombs to the wide receiver that can't catch a single one. And then he throws one, and he, like, basically, like, tattoos the guy, and he nails him so hard it, like, knocks the guy over. He gets one ball caught in the guy's helmet. And you know that that silly trope, so, something yes. like you would see, like a uh, Rick Wild thing Vaughn throwing, you know, <laughs> s- s- like real fast pitches. Same kind of introduction, if you will. Um, and you know, so then Paul Blake ends up going to the gymnasium or whatever, and he's walking around the racquetball courts, and and uh, gets hit by a racquetball, and meets uh, the the female professor. Uh, Dr. Carter and uh, you know she she thinks he's an, a, a professor and he doesn't really reveal that he's a student and they're flirting whatever and then of course lo and behold the very next day he's a student in her freshman class uh, and, you know there's that whole trope um, and like the, the story between them to me was
0: so interesting contrived. and it <laughs> unfolded in a way that I really wasn't expecting which is like okay, yeah, you know, it's it's that, again, another sort of trope thing where it's like, oh, oh, which department do you teach in? Or, like, which department are you in? But he says Sports athletics. Or athletics, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and this whole thing and, like, whatever. But then, like, what unfolds, which I thought was, like, a really weird character choice, is that she knows exactly who he is. Right. Because essentially, like, when they were younger and he was in high school, she was going out with a guy who was on like the opposing team and him and his team completely just like obliterated her boyfriend's team. And like that somehow then made her like infatuated and interested in Scott Bakula's character. Yeah. And I was like, that's weird. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it's a major plot thing. hole.
1: It's a major plot hole. Like well, she nothing, knows. Cause it's
0: like, if you like watch something like that, you know, like I'm, I'm going to give you like a really random comparison. I don't know why, but the other night I found myself watching Fast and the Furious 3 Tokyo Drift. All the way. I love that it's it's a great not movie. It's Three anymore. Now it's something like seven in the continuity yeah, it's
1: really a mixed up continuity, yes. Like,
0: the opening to that is like, he gets challenged to this race and like the guys and, that he's racing, and like the girlfriend is like, oh, well, whoever wins the race wins me sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's another cliche and like weird unto itself. But, like, she says that, like, because her boyfriend got so utterly defeated by this guy and his team that she's infatuated with him, but then she's never, like, met him or talked to him or anything. Right. So what has she just been, like, mentally stalking him for all these years? Or, yeah. like, she, like, left her boyfriend for him, but never went to him. And, like, now she knows him and she's pretending like she doesn't know him, even though she does and it's actually it's actually like really weird and (laughs) i just don't understand the 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 oddity of that relationship then like in that like if she was that infatuated with him if he was like teaching at that college that she wouldn't know that or that she wouldn't know that he's just like you know his father died and he like quit school and became like the farmer at the at the house or i don't
1: know just which I mean, that that that's plausible that she didn't know what happened after high if school you were to him.
0: Infatuated with somebody, if you're like that, like head over heels, that you're gonna leave your yeah boyfriend but, for him, and not even ever. I don't know. It was just a weird,
1: weird. But they were in different towns and different schools, and there's no <laughs> internet back then. You couldn't Google somebody, you know, and you know, I, I I could see that, you know, who knows. But yes, it's a little weird that when she meets him and she tell and he tells him. She tells her who he is. She doesn't know or she doesn't reference that later until she until she's like, oh, yeah, I had a, I was infatuated with you. But like she would have known something about it if he went to college, I guess. And I don't know. It just seems a little bit odd. And it uh, really
0: is very shallow on her part, I think, is the other kind of sad thing about it. Like, mm. you know, people are going to have their motivations. But like you have this woman who is basically a learned person who is mm. now like a college professor and she's going to help them out and all this. But like, it's it's kind of like a really shallow character design that that, that she gives you this like backstory of, of like, you know, like she was in a committed relationship and left it because her, her boyfriend got beat at a football game. I mean, like, I guess, you know,
1: the uh, yeah, I get that, you know, and it's uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a little bit. Yeah, I. I, just, I that's yeah.
0: the reason why I say is like you know like one of the things you were chatting about before is like how over the top the dean is and how he's like creeping on her at different points and it's like really like creepy how he's doing that to her. But in the reality, she kind of in a weird backwards way was doing that with Scott Bakula's character, you know?
1: Because and and ultimately they get together and you know they get caught by the dean making out after the tie game and you know, the the dean confronts her. And again, knowing higher education, she would have been brought up like on sanction because she's his teacher. Like they're not even that she's not in his class anymore. Like she is his actual current professor. She could not grade him you know, objectively if she's dating him or infatuated with him or whatever. And she gets caught like she probably would have been put on administrative leave or suspension and they just kind of let that go. And I was <laughs> It's
0: another funny version of like it goes back to the fact that like the dean is actually probably the hero of this movie because <laughs> again, he's trying to get rid of a corrupt football program and he's trying to like keep teachers from like dating their students. So yeah. so far he's actually, I mean d- maybe the way he's going about it is not good, but like his motivations are fairly on the up and up in a way. <laughs>
1: yeah so you know that's uh, oh there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack but like you didn't know we'd be going this
0: deep on a psychological uh no not at all night. not at all
1: but you know a couple of things that they, they, they do pl- lean very heavy into he's the old quarterback like when he first walks up the the coaches are like wow i hope he gets younger as he gets closer because he looks so old or like you know uh Rob Schneider's character goes, oh, look, the Paul Blake was the only player alive when the Beatles were still together. Can we <laughs> talk
0: about Rob Schneider for a second?
1: <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Rob Schneider now. It's fine. Just as like a quick aside, because I don't
0: think that we're going to need to spend very much time on him in, in general, but yes, um, it feels to me and I'm curious your take on this. Like this was a character that they added at the 11th hour Oh because yeah! Basically, anytime time you see him, he's in he's the he's in the broadcast booth. Booth, the booth itself doesn't match like the stadium or like the no. lighting or anything. Like it, it honestly looks like they just were like, "We've got Rob Schneider from SNL here." I don't even know if he was on SNL at that point yet, but like, let's just pretend he was for like a day. Let's knock out everything we want him to say in the entire film, and then we'll let him do some like improv stuff and then oh just 100 place that in wherever we need to 100 you know, like, percent, absolutely again, like he's a throwaway character in this like you know announcer or whatever but like it's just weird he's just always in the booth and the booth like i don't know it just doesn't like it doesn't look like a broadcast booth it looks like some like little like like radio room that's stuck in like the back room of the college somewhere it doesn't ever give the impression that he's actually looking like no matter what time of day it is during the game, no matter what the weather
1: is at the game,
0: like his booth looks exactly the same
1: every single scene. <laughs> so here's my theory on that. He was on Saturday night live when this movie was being filmed. I wonder if they just knew of the popularity of his like fumble, fumble ruski stick that he had that they basically called up, NBC and we're like, hey, can we get Rob Schneider in one of your broadcast booths for a day yeah. and film him super wide and just let him riff? Because he has no scenes with anybody else. You've never seen with anybody else. He's just doing his thing and you know it's it's kind of like like Bob Euchre in the uh, major league movies. He's just in the broadcast booth. You never see anybody else. And he's just doing his jokes the whole time. You
0: know what? Like this is one of the, and it, it was making me itchy when I was watching it. And again, this is probably something that a lot of people wouldn't notice or care about, but because I've got a, you know, career in photography and a background in filmmaking and, you know, things I just tend to think about what the thing looks like or how it's lit or whatever. I um, in a at kind of a subconscious level and I was just like, you know, like any other announcer in any movie like that ever, like guaranteed all of their scenes were shot by themselves yeah. on their own day, whatever. But like they didn't necessarily feel like it because at least the booth was maybe shot at different angles or mm-hmm. different things where it felt like it was like actually part of the stadium. Like they never even show a shot like above like a certain level of the bleachers where you would go like oh there he is up in his booth like to zoom in on him or it's just like it just a lockdown wide shot yeah that they just stuck him in on a set to film this and it just doesn't match any of the surroundings or anything yeah so it just it just felt like really really tacked on. No, That's it, all I have it, to it, say about um Rob Schneider and his no, Rob Schneiderness.
1: <laughs> a, a, agreed. I, I would agree. It's okay, you know <laughs> it. It it is very tacked on and it, it just sort of like a weird sort of aside. But I think I it was
0: better in the water boy.
1: <laughs> 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 fair point. Fair point. Um so so basically, you know, obviously you know, our our hero of the story is Paul Blake, and he's He's the whole. His whole role is basically to get a little redemption for himself. But the coach wants him to lead the players and 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 sort of be the the leader of men, so to speak. And he even says to at one point, "He's like, I want to give these guys one chance to like feel what it feels like to get a win." You know, like what because they've been getting beat all season. That they they play a ten game season, which is Shorter than a normal college season, which is usually eleven games. Um,
0: well, let me ask you another question too. And again, this is maybe taking a couple steps back, but like you mentioned before, that one of those opening scenes is on ESPN Sports Center, and it's like the old school Sports Center from way yeah. back, which was kind of cool to see. Um, but that scene opens on whoever the ESPN guy chatting
1: with, oh, uh, Chris Chris Martinson, yeah,
0: um, with Gennaro. Yes. Um uh Ed straight arrow generally. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um and uh l- like what was the the kind of lead-in there? Like the he had been offered already the role of the No, coach, or- so basically
1: so it it seemed as if and this happens a lot in, in pro sports and college sports, like you know a, a head coach gets fired or a player gets retired or whatever or, or doesn't make it in the pros and they end up becoming a broadcaster or a commentator or some sort of like, you know, expert in the in the field. And I think and they didn't establish it well is that Ed Straight Arrow Gennaro is the commentator on college sports, in particular with Texas, because they say like he used to be. A a college coach, and literally, as he finishes his segment on ESPN, there's Fred Thompson, the head coach of uh, the the the, the president of of the college, offering him the job. The job, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, and so then, like, he
0: starts to put together this new team, and basically, everybody that's on the team now is completely new. They have not played before, except for one person who was like a bench.
1: Yeah, there's person. one player named Charlie Banks, which they they make mention of. He's the only player on the team from the previous year who was able to stay because he never took bribes or he never was involved in any of the scandals or or steroids or whatever. So you have who our new coach? You got yeah. the new defensive, defensive.
0: coach. Yeah. Where did he come from?
1: He was a friend of Egeneros who he brought him with him because he could, because he could trust that he wasn't going to have his play. Because player. the funny
0: part I got confused about it, is very early on, they have like kind of like a little like conversation slash fight mm-hmm. or whatever that like, he's like, Oh, you're making me the defensive or whatever, you know, yeah. coach. And, and like, you know, he was acting like I should have just been made the coach, even though that's what I thought was that Ed sort of like, was like, you need to come and do this with me, you know, sort of thing. Like, so I guess he was like his old Secondary coach as yeah, well.
1: Yeah, I, I think he he's been. You know, a lot of these coaches always have their their guys that they bring with them and and that they trust and so on and so forth. And it seemed like, uh, the coach Rigendorf was his name. Rigendorf is uh is sort of like the defensive coordinator to his offensive coordinator and so on and so forth. And therefore, he wanted to bring him along because he could trust that he was going to make sure that, um. The team would be run the right way. In the event something happened to Gennaro, because he makes mention that he takes nitroglycerin pills for his heart, and you're like, oh, okay. There's there's the MacGuffin of what's going to happen. He's going to end up in the hospital later in the movie. He's got nitroglycerin pills, and he's going to have a heart attack at some point. That's that's sort of the thing.
0: So, but we. So the point now, now that we're back to where you were talking at, is that he's saying these guys need to win and everything. So, like where are we coming in at this point in the season where Scott Bakugo is joining
1: they've already played a number of games with this new this so, so- Scott Bakula came in at the start of the season before they played any games. They lost the first eight games of the season, which I didn't realize it was only eight games that they. I thought I thought they had lost less than that, and they won a handful later. But no, they literally lost the eight first games of the season. Then they get the three three tie, and it's the last game of the season they get their first win, and they act like they won the Super Bowl or like yeah. they won the 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 college football championship. Um, for winning one game by essentially one point. Um, but, but yeah, so, um, I was shocked that they lost eight games. I didn't, re- I didn't remember that. And also, they went eight games without a kicker. Because let's talk about Kathy Ireland next, who comes in real, real late into the movie after they've already lost eight games and I'm like how do they play eight games without a kicker like it made well, no guess, sense you know, like
0: even with that I would even say cuz like the, you know I think this is what gets me going is like they they pick up certain people I guess they just show up and like want to try out for the team then there's certain people that they're targeting so like they you know they target her mm-hmm. they target Sinbad um which by the way and we'll get back to Sinbad but I really liked I always like Sinbad movies, but I actually really liked this specific character for him. Yes, this is we'll, my favorite. We'll, we'll this is my favorite. I don't want to get too far ahead of it, but yeah. Um, but like, like point in case, like so. It, I guess it's to say that like whatever's going on with like the academics at this school, that they couldn't dig up any more than like the seventeen people that they had, which didn't even include a kicker like nobody else wanted to be on the team or didn't have the grades to be in it cuz like i think i remember them mentioning that like one of the other teams that they play in one of the first games has like they're like oh they brought their 117 person squad yeah. with them and i'm like that doesn't even make any sense like what 117 like, No no no
1: no no so they they said uh rob schneider says they brought all seventeen of them, which he was talking about the armadillos, and the, the oh, anorm- they missed up because like yeah. they
0: were showing the other team and they seemed to have like a ton of people with them. Yeah, they, they brought like, their own massive marching band and like all this sort of yeah. thing too. No,
1: normally, a, a, a team has about fifty three. Well, that's what I was going to say, and I was like, why would
0: they have like double and then some? <laughs> it would
1: be? The, the weird thing about it is right. So when the, you mentioned earlier, they did that gymnasium tryout there was way more than 17 people in that room. And even if some of the players were real bad, right? Real bad. When the Dean comes in later, he says they have to lose like six players. So that would say, okay, they had out of maybe 50 that tried out. They, they narrowed it down to about 25 or so, 20, 23, give or take. And, and, now they're losing five or six more. Why not call some of those other players that they didn't take in the first place to <laughs> fill in the spot? It makes those that's a that's a little bit of a plot hole because there's at least fifty players practicing in that gymnasium before the before they even pick the is, roster. And this is Texas. Yeah, Texans like their football. As they like reality. their <laughs> Like
0: yeah. I think they wouldn't have too hard a time. Digging up several, I mean, I don't know, again, like, I don't know how many people go to this university, whatever. I think they'd be able to dig up a few more people. <laughs> right. And
1: they said they won the Cotton Bowl, so they've got to be Division One. Like, you would figure that school's got to have at least 10,000 students at it. Yeah. Maybe more, but it's semantics. You know, what are we going to do? Um, so, you know... What what are we gonna say? So, so the coach frustrating
0: you here. Sorry, we uh, were on uh, Kathy Ireland Oh, yes, we're talking about Kathy <laughs>
1: Ireland Yeah. So as I said, this is what one of the things that bothered me. is like, why did it take eight games for Coach Riggs to offer this soccer player a chance to try out for the team? And of course, you know edge and arrows like oh we can't have a girl on the team she's gonna get killed and they lean very heavy into the you know misogynistic tropes in this movie even the players make you know sexual innuendos and 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 crummy comments and so on and so forth but she proves that she can kick a ball quite far. She first does it with a soccer ball. She must have kicked that thing 50 yards, maybe more. Then they have her come and try out, and they first have her do 20 yards, then 30 yards, then 40 yards, then 50 yards, and she just crushes it every single time. And she even complains that she sort of like didn't get it as good as she wanted a few times, and they were all really impressed, and so on and so forth. Um,
0: And again, this is another one of these like amazing sports tropes that pops up all over the place where it's like you get like this like under unusual phenomenon player from a different sport. Yeah, that's just similar enough that they'll be able to cross over. So Ala uh, again, something like um, I can't think of the character's name off the top of my head, but they, there's a, like a figure skater that they pull into like the Mighty Ducks. Oh yeah, so, yeah. You know, she'll yeah. be able to skate really well, you know, yeah. like sort of thing. And it's just like you know, again, there's so many movies like this that like do that same sort of thing. I it, it just so cracks me up to see it again. In yeah. this scenario here.
1: <laughs> um, so ultimately, she ends up helping them tie their first game with a field goal, so they they tie three to three, and you know. All the the teammates kind of less sort of like hit on her and flirt whatever, but the the center Manu Manu, uh, the runt of the litter, uh, he the smallest of his family. Meanwhile, the guy's gigantic. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) he defends her. He protects her. uh, He kind of like keeps the guys from making comments. And at one point when, when she does kick the field goal in this pouring rain game, the other team like sacks her and like really, really hurts her. And Manu Manu wants to go after him and then she kicks that guy in the groin and kind of takes him out completely and then all the other players like look look she can defend herself she can take care of herself she doesn't need you to save her and like you know she becomes one of them now like she's you know a part of the team and they all accept her and so on and so forth and then we have this scene with the shower and he, uh, Manu, Manu kicks everybody out of the shower so that she could take a shower. He kind of blocks her and and sort of like is very polite and respectful. He doesn't look at her as she's showering, and then he asks her to go to this you know after party for the game, and she she agrees, and and it's it's cute. Like you can see that they have like a little romance going on or whatever or flirtation. And at the end of the last game, when they actually do win. She kisses him on the cheek and Manu Manu faints. Um, <laughs> the thing I had a problem with this was like, you know, they slated her as the the, the answer, right? Like she was going to help them win. But when the end of the final game comes down, they go for a two-point conversion. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they don't, they don't <laughs> use her. Like, like he could have gone for another tie And this is the thing with, with the ties, right? They got a game to a tie in the fourth quarter. There is a sudden death overtime. Why would they have not gone to overtime? <laughs> I don't understand. Like, I mean, is that any different in college football? They, they, they don't end in t- like very. I don't think so. I mean, not that I can remember. That would it is. be the only thing I would Question:
0: I just don't know enough about it.
1: Is college? Uh, I gotta, I gotta find out now. Sorry. <laughs> does college football have overtime? I'm pretty sure it does. Um, The rules changed in 2021. Oh God, I'm I'm killing time. Sorry, major edit for Pete. My apologies. (laughs) Um, Does college football have overtime? Yeah, they. Yeah, I I thought so. Uh, Okay, okay. Prior to 2021 they could have overtimes upwards of five to six extra periods. Like games could go on for a while uh, and they recently changed that rule. But yes, back then they do. They did have overtime and they could have had up to four overtimes. They didn't have to end in a tie. I mean, it's
0: weird then because like, remember, too, I was mentioning out of that Wikipedia article, they were saying that Kansas holds this record for ties. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: I wonder if there's like a a rule or maybe certain divisions don't have ties and some do. I don't I don't know. It's too much Googling, but. <laughs> but yeah, so like, you know, the Kathy Island character, she's very likable. She's really kind of fun in the movie. They don't give her enough screen time. I wish they had brought her in earlier into the movie because she's really good and she's a good dynamic. and. As opposed to some other movies that I've complained about, where they don't give the the female character enough to do, they give her a lot to do with this movie, and they make her a significant part of the movie, um, which is really really nice. and And she's she's good in it. She's fun, and um, yeah, that's all I got to say about about Kathy Ireland's character. <laughs> um, but let's talk about Manu Manu the slender for a second, and. As we said, he's the center. He's Hawaiian. He says he's the runt of the litter. He's also Paul Blake's roommate, and he's constantly respecting his elders. He says, and and Paul Blake goes, "I'm not that eld." Yeah. And then he he can't climb up into the top bunk, and Manu Manu like launches him into the top bunk. It's really kind of funny. Um, and you know, he's a he's a cute, likable character. He's fun. He's he's. You know, in the end of the movie, he's like, I've uh, "Mr. Blake, no one will touch you," and he, and he, like protects him. Granted, Paul Blake's getting sacked like crazy for ten games, and then finally, in the in the last game, the last play, the center is finally going to protect him from getting hit. If he's if he could do that all the time, why is he waiting to the last play? <laughs> I just I don't understand it. Um, which is it's just kind of funny, Um and. You know, he's he's a good character. He's, he's a good uh, secondary character to keep, you know, the story moving and he's fun and all. But let's talk about Sinbad for a minute, because <laughs> I, I think, as you would agree, Sinbad steals the movie. Like,
0: well, Sinbad is, I mean, you know that I have a number of movies that he's in that I like very much. And he's just like, he's just like a likable actor and comedian yeah. in person. But what I was going to say that I really kind of appreciated about this character he plays in this film, particularly, and this isn't to necessarily say that this is the case in all of his movies, but I feel like when I start trying to think about some of his other characters, they're always these very like brash, loud mouth, mm-hmm. you know, sort of whatever. But in this, he's actually a really intelligent Character.
1: Well, he's a he's a professor of like astronomy. Yeah, he's like a grad student, <laughs> like an associate professor, saying like, yeah. like a grad student or something.
0: But like you know, compared to so many of his other roles, where he's just like, all right, I'm a guy that's loud and whatever. You know, like, I think about like Jingle All the Way. He's like a yeah. mailman, or like yeah. he's like their boss and good Burger. Um, you know, like there's like so many things like that where he's just like this is like a random, just kind of other character. But he plays this really intelligent character and like he uses that several times like in the film. Like I-, I can't remember necessarily specific quotes, but he kind of like will point out like kind of like very poignant things at several different times. Right. And he I was even playing like a smarter, better role than he's usually I'm used to him seeing. And it's, it's yeah. maybe a sad thing to say, because, again, I think he's a really talented guy but I feel like he gets in like this like rut of roles where he's like, Oh, he's kind of the same ish character. So it was cool to see him kind of being somebody who was like a little bit like more on like the, like smart, like still that same character type of like loud and like big and whatever. But like also like, just like the, the smartest guy in the room for once as well. You know? Yeah.
1: And he often plays up that role where he kind of like almost advises Paul Blake's character. He advises, uh, Jason Bateman's character and he does a lot of cool stuff. He even makes a funny joke about like when he, when he first shows up and he like sacks the 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 tackling dummy machine and they make like, "Well, I, you know, eat like raw meat." And he goes, "You know, Andre doesn't eat raw meat cuz Andre is a vegetarian." <laughs> he's, he's like this giant hulking man. It's really funny. And he's just a good character. Like they at one point they have a bar fight with like the number 1 Texas state college who's like their big rival and and he and Paul Blake kind of get into the fight with the rest of the players and they both get thrown over the top of the bar and they sort of just sit there and he turns to Paul Blake and goes next time don't come out to the bar <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: because he had been like, like, like uh, Paul Blake didn't want to come and he was like spending so much time Trying to convince him to come, so it was such a great reversal. And he's like, "Next time, don't
1: come." <laughs> yeah, it was just—it made me laugh. And that was good. I really did enjoy that. <laughs> and as it goes later on into the movie, you know, we we learn a lot about uh, Jason Bateman's character of Edison, who his father is—you know—a big donor to the college. Which, the- by the way, that's baby jason bateman right oh my God. Like,
0: <laughs> like i was saying to Ange, because she came into the room um after a point because she'd been working on some other things and she came into the room was sitting watching a little bit of it with me and i was like oh that's jason bateman she's like it is like like she's like it doesn't she's like i can hear it but she's like it doesn't even look like
1: yeah it. he's probably was 19 in this movie maybe maybe just barely 19 but like you learn that his father is a big donor to the college, the stadium's named after him, there's an academic building named after him. Uh he's one of the biggest boosters to the college and so on and so forth. And he's so rich that he buys his son's grades and buys tutors to do all of his homework, and the the kid doesn't have, you know, three brain cells to rub together <laughs> because he he doesn't have to do anything because his dad always takes care of it for him. But at one point, when Paul Blake decides he's going to quit the team, as that always happens, you know he gets in a fight with the head coach and he quits the team. You know Edison jumps in the in the van with him or the Jeep Wrangler, and uh, you know says, "I can't go back either." You know they're they're going to find out that I've been cheating and I'm going to fail. And so uh, Paul Blake pairs him up with Andre to tutor him so that he can you know pass his tests. And I got to point out the test, right? This this really bothered me as a college professional. They were studying for their midterms, midterms. They were also preparing for the 10th and final game of the season. Last time I checked, (laughs) midterms wouldn't come at week 10. (laughs) But hey again semantics (laughs) (laughs) but um so you know obviously andre helped him pass his midterm and he's able to play he gets a c on the exam and of course he got the c you know what i mean like it's like whenever this happens in the film they always get
0: the c because it's like it's worse than a b but it's better than a D. <laughs> yes,
1: it's just good enough. <laughs> yeah, just in that great point level. there. <laughs> and and really, that's the major arc of Jason Bateman's character, other than the fact that after the tie, his family throws this big booster party and gives all the players, like, you know, letterman jackets or whatever, like these big fancy, almost like a, uh, uh, like, the masters kind of green jackets, if you will. And Gennaro walks in and tells him, take off the jackets. We won't be taking anything from boosters, yada, yada, yada. Everybody get out of here. Paul Blake is loaded drinking bourbon or whatever. And he's like, I let the guys have some fun. And that's when he quits the team. And lo and behold, that's how he and Edison kind of form a bond together. And, then he pairs him up with Andre to, to pass, and that's basically how that whole thing plays out. Um, he's he's fine in the movie. He's you know he's got a very small role, but it's a, it's an important role in the movie because it also sort of forces Paul Blake to return to the school and help them finish the last game. Uh, otherwise, they would have had to play the backup quarterback, who can't hit the broadside of a barn and. <laughs> And literally when they were doing the tryouts, they were, they had that guy throwing and he was throwing so bad in the gymnasium. He's even hitting the backboard of a basketball hoop. And the coach goes, wow, he's bad at two sports. (laughs) 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 It's so funny. Um, But yeah, like those are really the main, main characters in the movie. And other than that, there's a lot of funny little moments like, one of the things the dean does, which you'd think was a bad thing, but they also kind of learn a lot from it, is the dean says that they, he arranged a scrimmage with another state institution, which, again, a dean wouldn't do this. Like, the athletic department would have done it, the head yeah, coach no, would it, have done it.
0: Would it would have so insulated from a dean. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it would have never had anything to do with a dean, but it ends up being with a state penitentiary in Texas, which we all know there's a lot of texas penitentiaries but the funny thing about it is the players that get off the bus are all either former nfl players or in particular one is evander holyfield gets off the bus <laughs> dick butt uh earl this campbell by the way maybe one of the most unfortunately named people ever
0: but he's a, he's a famous football player so what do you know doing? but, but-
1: yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Anyway, uh, Tony Dorsett and Jim Kelly of the Buffalo Bills all show up and they pummel them in this scrimmage, but then they end up becoming fans of them and they cheer for them in the games. Like they yeah, get like, I actually like- really
0: like, too, they have that scene later on where they're playing one of the rival teams and like the the people in the crowd are getting all rowdy and they kind of stand up. They're at like the game for whatever reason and they're like, You know, like all the people quiet back down. Mm -hmm. Very, very funny um, reciprocal moment with it. What is the other football movie that has to do with the prison?
1: Oh, uh, the Longest Yard.
0: Yes. All right. That's the. the There's two of those.
1: There's the Burt Reynolds one originally,
0: which is what I I know they made a remake of it. Uh, The funny part was when I was thinking very originally about Necessary Roughness when when it first came up that we were going to be discussing it. I think that's the film I had in mind um and then i was like this is not that one
1: (laughs) no this is not that movie um and you know it's it's kind of it's cute it's funny in that way that like they they become fans of them so to speak and you know uh it's just kind of a funny little moment. It's a good scene in the movie. If you ask me.
0: Yeah. And again, sort of like backfires on the Dean, as you yeah. say. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then you, we get thrown into like a montage where they're doing kind of different exercises to the team, or where they're like sizing or doing yoga or Pilates, just like that. I don't know. And, and we start meeting a lot of the characters. Like they have one guy on the team named the samurai and he's like a linebacker <laughs> or, or, or defensive end. And, at one point they they call a play against the let the the Texas team that they're playing at the end of the movie, where basically he does like all this martial arts on, on the offensive line and like judo chops them and like roundhouse kicks them with cleats and then the referee in order to announce what the penalty is he's trying to act out yeah, the, the
0: that was actually incredible and he's <laughs> finally just like oh forget, forget it, it.
1: <laughs> it's it's really really funny um that's a it's lot like of fun. his arms every which way trying to <laughs> yeah. do all the- <laughs> that was very good. And, and then you have, you know, as you mentioned earlier, Featherstone, the wide receiver, who's lightning fast, but can't catch a ball. And then, of course, at the end of the game, they say, oh, he says, give me the ball. I'll catch it. I'll catch it. They don't they don't even go near me because they know I can't catch. And then as he like launches the ball, you know, uh, the the coach goes, Don't throw it to Stone Hands. <laughs> and they <made> it like <laughs> just the way he says it, call them Stone Hands. Yeah. It made me laugh out loud. I was like, oh, that's hilarious. And so and there's a bunch of other little things that happen in the movie where like uh, they they meet this Australian character who I guess played rugby and he doesn't want to wear any pants. <laughs> and they have him line up and they he as a running back he runs and he gets completely knocked unconscious, yeah, just steamrolled. <laughs> but he holds onto the ball and they're like, Hey, go get the guy some pads. And then the defensive coach goes, I don't know. My bird is game or something like that. That makes me laugh. It's really, I mean, the <laughs>
0: irony of that is, and I know it's like a joke on like the rugby thing, but like rugby is in some ways as if not more violent <laughs> than yeah. American football could ever dream of being. So it's kind of funny that this guy would get like, so um, like beat because rugby is a rough, rough rough game. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And so then I want to talk about the bar scene for a minute because the bar scene is very interesting to me because as a kid, this is literally what I pictured every Texas bar would look like. <laughs> and basically they say, and ironically it is. <laughs> it's very, it's, it's not far off. <laughs> it's not far off. And they go, welcome to Billy Bob's the bar with bull riding arena inside. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's really kind of funny. Like they, they see the guys riding bulls, whatever, and having fun. They get into a bar fight. Um, they wreck the place, and and Billy Bob calls to the police. And goes, yeah, Sheriff, it's Billy Bob again. <laughs> it's like it's like, oh, of course, of course, they get into a bar fight. It always happens in these movies, and the 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 sheriff is there, and then the dean shows up, and the coaches show up, and everybody's playing nice, and everybody's palling around, and Coach Gennaro goes, Do you really think the sheriff of the of the state would get elected uh, if they took down the number one college team in football in Texas. Yeah, well, because
0: it basically, like, it seems like they're insinuating that like the dean either almost tried to set up that the two teams would be there get into yeah. a fight. Or I, I don't know. I kind of got a little lost on that, but it, they were trying to make it out as if like you know, he was like, I'm going to get him this time. And yeah. then like, they're like, Oh, well, like, you know, that's maybe a stupid idea to do, you know, like the two, these two different big teams would be like out of commission if they got caught doing this or whatever.
1: Yeah. And, you know, they, they play it up and they're, Oh, they're playing pool together, having a good time. And the Dean gets frustrated and he leaves and then they, then they all disperse and whatever. And it's, it's a fun little scene. It's a lot. It's a, it's a good laugh. It's very entertaining. Uh, you know, everything gets destroyed. One of the guys gets the, There's a guy who's like a sergeant, I guess, like as a ex-military and he gets thrown through a bar sign. It's really, really funny. It made me laugh. And he's like unconscious. Um, And so then we get into a moment where we're getting close to this big game against the two big college teams, this Texas team and and the Armadillos and Coach De Niro has chest pain and coach Riggs is there with him because they're like having dinner together, which is, you know, sure. I guess they're two single guys alone with no family and that's the, what they do. And it gets rushed to the hospital and so on and so forth. And, and, uh, Wally, who's what's Riggs' first name, goes visiting Ed in the hospital. And he's like, oh, are you dying? And he's like, he's like, I'm not in a coma. He's like, oh, oh, thank God. He's like, oh, he's like, he's afraid to touch him because he's had a heart attack. He's like, I'm here. I'm not dead. <laughs> and, and then uh, he's like, I'm going to give you my playbook. You're going to coach the team. And Riggs the whole time is like very like a sweatshirt kind of guy, like an athletic uh, guy. And he wears a suit for the game. And he's like, oh, he's like, uh, the, the last words that Coach Niro said to me is, win or I'll die.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say that at all. He's totally just like having, you know, having- not on screen. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> And he he says one of the best lines in the whole movie. It's one of my favorite things. At the halftime, they're getting killed. They're losing twenty-one nothing. And he's like, nothing's working for us. This is not working. This playbook's not working. This ties not working. This suit's not working for. Her. And He rips everything off. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, uh, he goes. I want you. To, I'm gonna say this. You're gonna have to bleep it, but I, I gotta say it. It's such a great line. He's like, I want you to tear that. Heads off and down their necks. <laughs> Let's pray. He yeah, and they
0: all immediately get on a knee, like like all quiet. Yeah, it was it was pretty good.
1: It's so funny. It made me laugh so bad. I was like, I love that line in my, that movie so much. It cracks me up. But then we find out during the second half of the game that Coach Janeiro didn't have a heart attack. He had indigestion. Yeah. <laughs> and he, 'Cause the doctor kind of like reads off like the medical term for whatever it is. He's like, Oh, is it fatal dog? He goes, indigestion? He goes, Only in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> and and then we get to the like the last play of the game, this gimmick play called the quarterback option. And basically it's, it's a, it's a flea flicker in the sense where the quarterback flips it to the deep, the, um, the running back and then he runs to the end zone. And then the, the running back throws the ball to Paul Blake who catches it in the end zone and gets a touchdown. Then they decide to go for two, and this is where the 88 comes back in because Charlie Banks, the only player from the f- the previous version of the team, is number 88. He never plays. He always rides the bench, but they send him out in the field because a bunch of guys got hurt, and they sent uh, Kathy Ireland's character out on the field. They even sent the backup quarterback on the field because they needed to have like uh, enough guys to cover the field. They were going to do a, a field goal. Yeah. They, do, they do a fake. Charlie Banks runs to the end zone. Paul Blake's got the ball. He sees 88 jumping, waving his hands, and he guns him with the ball, and he nails it, and he catches it, and then they, they win the game by one point, and that's the end of the movie. And that's that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's basically everything about Necessary Roughness. We covered everything top to bottom. Uh, I really liked it. Pete didn't like it. Well, a- again, I'm not saying I didn't
0: even didn't like it. I just... I. I- I I just one of these funky films where like, I just found myself like just not really being able to get that into it. Um, I think conversing with you about it here, there's definitely a few things you reminded me about where I was like, oh, that was like a genuinely funny moment or I really did like that or whatever. Um, But again, kind of just like what we were sort of saying, I think that there's just um, a bunch of other movies that I've seen do so many of these either serious football movie moments or like jokes or or like, you know, gags or whatever from a thing that I was just like, it just felt like an amalgam of all these things to the point where like if I had seen this movie 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I'd probably been like, oh, this movie's riffing on necessary roughness but for me it's almost the other way around now I'm Mm -hmm. like oh I've already seen this and this and this and this so like I'm not finding it as nearly um, as endearing or entertaining as probably if I had like seen this or or remembered it from from earlier so I'm not going to say it's a bad movie it's definitely watchable like I said I sat down and watched through it Um, but uh, just I don't know I guess I I probably just wasn't there mentally for this one
1: (laughs) that's okay that's okay
0: but which I think maybe you'll have with hook or something oh, soon. <laughs> God,
1: i I'm just glad you gotta do the review for that one if we if we get hook because oh boy, I don't <laughs> like, oh, that's that's gonna be three hours of my life. I'm never getting back, <laughs> but next month, we've got on the docket here the Adams family, which is probably gonna be the strong favorite uh Cape Fear, the remake of Cape Fear, um Curly Sue. And the people under the stairs.
0: Those oh, are the no, top
1: sorry.
0: four. I, re- you know, I don't think I ever saw the people under the stairs, but I can remember like being young and seeing the trailers, yeah, for that and being freaked out by that. That's funny that that pops up then
1: yeah a, a close close fourth is is billy bathgate which is was supposed to be a good movie it's some sort of mobster movie but it's pretty bad and and beauty and the beast which thankfully we don't have to do beauty and the beast <laughs> we'll we'll leave that off the list
0: it's funny i could have sworn beauty and the beast was a 92 movie yes yeah, but well i mean we're getting already into the box office 30 so we're gonna be quiet there but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> otherwise we'll not have done nothing for that episode um but yes we, we will put i will put up our our usual poll um once this uh episode launches on friday um so everybody will be able to choose from the top four adams family cape fear curly sue and the people under the stairs and we'll see what we get out of that batch um i'm with you i think i'm i'm for the adams family being the uh Odds on favorite, yes, yeah. and, and I, you know, I know you know, especially because, um, for October here, we didn't have a, a scary movie, and like when we had the chance to do Freddy and that, we didn't get that, so it'd be good to have a um, time of the season type of, of film to go along, yeah, um, even if it ends up in November.
1: that's really our our review and everything i mean let us know what you think of necessary roughness did you like it do you not like it have you never seen it before do you hate sports movies you're like (laughs) why did we do this to us in october well that's
0: team michael or hashtag team pete
1: (laughs) yes i like it i like it get that going (laughs) Uh, that would be great but you know thanks again for listening everybody pete where can they find us
0: you can find us, as usual, on our website, boxoffice30.com. You can check us out on Twitter and Facebook at BoxOffice30, or the Instagrams at BoxOffice T-H-I-R-T-Y. I will point out it's fun to check us out on Facebook these days, which is probably our least used social channel um, as far as um followers go. I feel like we get most of our kind of conversations and things happening over on Um, Twitter, Instagram, but uh, Facebook just added a neat new feature um, that I jumped on when they added it, which is that now as new episodes drop, they automatically show up as a um, post item. So you can actually come to Facebook to listen to our podcast in addition to your normal iTunes or Google Play Store or wherever you download fine podcasts. So, um, worth checking out because yeah, I saw,
1: that was pretty cool. I saw this, like, wow, that's yeah, kind of
0: I was curious because they didn't really show me an example ahead of time of what it was going to look like, but I set it up to do it. And then when it popped up, I was actually pretty pleasantly surprised by um, how it went. So, uh, another good option if you are on the Facebooks of things. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. But as always, thank you so much for listening, everybody. We look forward to seeing you next month and uh, seeing what our poll turns out to be. That's it, I got nothing.
0: I got nothing. <laughs> As Pete would say, bye friends. <laughs> yes. And and we'll see where Sam Beckett goes next time. Good good day to you all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this has been a presentation of the Retro Network.